thank you so much for joining for today's webinar. Um, it's titled Building Your Predictive Maintenance Roadmap, Steps to Start or Take Your Programme to the Next Level. As I mentioned, our speaker is Michael. Um, before I formally introduce Michael, I just want to cover a couple of housekeeping questions. Um, so today's webinar is being recorded and we will share a link with you after the event. Um, you'll also be able to access it on the Fluke Reliability YouTube. Uh, so if you'd like to revisit the content at a later date, you absolutely can. Um, as always, we do invite you to um, leave your comments and questions in the Q&A chat box. Um, it's just on your screen titled questions. Uh, if you think of a question at any point in the um, sort of duration of the presentation, feel free to pop it in. We normally have a time for Q&A um, at the end. So we'll answer all your questions at the end um, of Michael's presentation. So as I mentioned, today's presenter is Michael Watson. Michael has 30 years of experience, or even more than 30 years of experience in reliability, technician effectiveness and operations across the globe. He is our product application specialist for Fluke Excelix, which is a suite of solutions from Fluke Reliability, focusing on the company's connected technician tools and condition monitoring product lines. As well as a mechanical engineering degree, Michael is also a certified maintenance and reliability professional and a certified reliability leader. So Michael, thank you so much for being here. Um, and with that, I will hand over to you for your presentation. Well, thank you. Thank you, Georgia. Okay. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about building your maintenance roadmap. Um, we're going to go over a number of different topics and steps you can take. Uh, first, I actually want to start with uh, safety. You know, we've all seen those uh, video clips of a person looking at their smartphone, they run into a, a door or a or something, bringing technology into your team, even just changing the way work is done. Um, in predictive maintenance, you're perhaps collecting data around rotating equipment or there's light curtains. You're, you're, increasing, some, you're, you're increasing risk of safety. And so when you think of making changes, always start with safety, but there, there is a, couple of good news points out of this. One is uh, planned work is inherently safer than unplanned work. So uh, it's an opportunity, you have an opportunity to leverage your, your maintenance management systems, your workflows to, and you, to make sure that your, your work is done in a safe and uh, proper manner. Now, okay, let's go on to, so putting your program together, today we're going to cover a number of topics, but it's really uh, a fairly straightforward step-by-step uh, -step process. You want to start off with setting a vision, uh, setting a goal for what you're trying to achieve, uh, understand your assets, how to pick the right technology, and then when you think of implementation, we're going to touch on managing change and how to build a sustainable program. You want to make sure you got the right technology for the right asset driving the right decisions. I mentioned, you know, today we're going to be talking about steps you can take, whether you've got an existing program or starting a program new. Everybody is someplace in this journey. And in many cases, you know, we've 
we're working from a maintenance intensive uh, type of view. We're, we're focused on scheduling the work. We're, we're reacting to emergencies that occur. But what we want to do is, you know, where are you today? And then set a goal for where do you want to be in the future? And in a predictive sense, in a condition-based sense, how do we create this asset-centric view important to understand where you're at and then what we want to achieve in the future. You set a goal, you set a, a vision, you set an aim. But yet, you know, I, guess I understand uh, my background, I've, I've managed uh, operations. Uh, how on earth, you know, how, how on earth are we going to have the, the resources, the time to collect data uh, you don't have a bench of people sitting there looking for something to do. You're already 100% busy. How do you make, uh, you know, how do you make the best decisions? You know, maybe you're thinking in terms of we can use vibration technology, but without a baseline of what that asset was new, how do we know that we're already not partially into a problem? How do you, how do you find the, get the right data? where you can make uh, make good decisions. And then again, resources. Uh, you've got all these assets, you you start up with, yes, I mean, you can ask people in the operations team, anything that drives uh, uh, downtime in production is gonna be a critical asset. And how do we prioritize our work? How do we balance the uh, uh, supporting the emergency that happened uh, the plan work that has to be done along with then taking time to build a predictive maintenance program. So fortunately there's, you know, technology, there is software and tools. It's continually being improved in this space. Um, and for your organization, for your project, it gets down to, you need to think through people, process, technology, and culture. How do we, both prioritize what needs to be done in the assets, but also understand your team, what capabilities you have in our process and our team culture. How do we uh, uh, implement a program? So there's a, you know, my first bullet here, choose your adventure. Um, you're the maintenance reliability leader. You're the one in the best position to describe what needs to be done. Um, there, there's actually a children's book series called Choose Your Adventure that uh, uh, I heard at one time in a presentation, it really resonated uh, because there's in, in your organization, there's many, many different challenges. Um, you want to put together a business case work with the operations team, work with, uh, you know, understand your management. What are they, uh, what are the things that's gonna help build support for the program? And what are the changes that will drive an impact to your team and to your asset health? Of course, you want to, uh, you know, you have unique challenges. Your, you know, your operation is unique. You may be that, you know, in many cases, you're the only plant in the world running that type of product on that system design machine 
in the operating context and environment that you're in. Um, so while your project, your goals are unique, you can learn from others. So your challenges are not unique. Um, you want to pick what projects you're going to work on, build a, you know, start with some small projects, um, get some success so that you can then um, build confidence and continue to grow from there. Uh, of course, implementation is one of the keys. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but uh, you need to make sure, again, you think through all the details that are needed to uh, make sure you've got a successful program. And so one of the one of the uh, first items to to start with um, asset criticality. Um, asset criticality is you know if you're thinking of predictive maintenance, you want to understand you want to you want to you know you, you want to develop this asset centric predictive maintenance program. So understanding asset criticality is one of the important, uh, most important items in putting that program together, because it's going to help you, uh, you know, prioritize and where to to uh, focus your resources. Um, criticality analysis helps your staff understand, you know, re reliability improvement or maintenance improvement projects. Where do we need to focus that effort on? Um, we're going to focus. You know, and, and criticality analysis also will sometimes help identify, you know, some of those forgotten assets or some of those, you know, there, there's a, a bank of hydraulic power units off in a, off in a room driving a, a hydraulic flow for a test stand. And that forgotten asset, um, one unit goes down, it's not a problem. You end up with a second one goes down. Now all of a sudden you can't run your production test cell. So um, you need to think through what is the criticality of the asset, and then uh, it also quickly get into what is the uh, the risk and the consequence of failure. So it really helps you prioritize your resources um, and whether it be both time. Uh, inventory spares and and the repair work you're doing. <clears throat> and I mentioned, you know, risk. Um, not only you want to understand what assets are critical, but then what are the what are the consequences of that asset going down? Um, what's the likelihood of that going down? <clears throat> and you even want to think through like how yeah how likely is that to occur? Um, and then not just how likely it's to occur in, on paper, but how likely it's to occur in the in the real world. Um, you know, there's at times in a distribution facility, the um, you know the overhead conveyors may have uh, <clears throat> a good robust maintenance plan, but then you know look at your history. How often is that PM work order skipped because uh, the technician wasn't able to get a man lift, or maybe it's a scrap conveyor that's uh, uh, underneath the floor. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's noisy, it's dirty. Are, are you getting the the you know? Are you increasing the likelihood of failure because 
you're not getting the, you know, the, the PM becomes skipped on a regular basis. So risk matrix, consequence of failure, and there's multiple different um, formats and templates out there. Um, here's another example of asset criticality tool. You want to bring together what's my asset criticality, what's my priority, uh, what's my risk, what's my consequence of failure. And an important point to remember, a key point to remember is put a small team together. Don't, don't make it a, this, this is asset criticality according to Michael Watson in, in January 2023. Um, you know, what, you need to have a small team put together, go through systematically, assess your asset criticality, um, and then write it down, document it, uh, put it, put it um, you know, make it available for everybody to see. Because as you grow in knowledge, as you learn more, as you have additional uh, experience, um, you know, good or bad, you should regularly go in and, and update your asset criticality. This is going to, you know, that this is going to be a foundational, a key part of a asset-centric uh, maintenance plan. And so, as you've understood, what are my critical assets? What are my, uh, you know, what are my most important assets? Um, what are some of the consequences? And, and consequence not only can be um, you know, downtime production, but also what are the uh, consequences if uh, uh, we have a failure that creates a uh, environmental hazard or spill or it causes you to have to um, shut down the plant and evacuate the building. So we, we've talked through criticality, we've talked through risk, consequence, and then, of course, predictive maintenance is often associated with, uh, with technology. And today I'm going to briefly go over the the three um, primary technologies that uh, that we use, and and you know certainly we could spend an entire day or even an entire week talking about some of these different technologies. But what I want to suggest, what I want to what I really recommend is you've identified risk, you've identified the critical assets, um, you've identified then identify what are the failure modes. That you're concerned about and use technology as a countermeasure to those failures. Bearing failures can occur, you know, I mean they, they they occur somewhat at random in nature and from a timing standpoint, but uh, from a vibration standpoint, you can see an increase in vibration before that bearing fails. Uh, misalignment, looseness. In, you know, thermography is a great technology for uh, failure modes that increase temperature. Uh, you can have an incorrect flow or um, you can have some corrosion and that's going to show up as a breakdown in insulation. Those are all going to show up as increased temperature. So thermography can be a great uh, um, application for understanding, um, you know, thermal related failure modes. And of course, then acoustic and ultrasound. Um, looking for you know wasted energy, looking for leaks. All these technologies um, become a you know a targeted countermeasure to the failure modes that you're concerned about that, that drive uh, consequences in your facility. So I'll spend a few slides just do a little bit of overview of some of these. Of course, in in um, 
with vibration technology, depending on the complexity, the critical criticality of your asset, we've got, you know, there can be handheld tools for screening that give you uh, overall vibration. Then there's tools, diagnostic tools, and then even um, online condition monitoring, full-time condition monitoring. <clears throat> certainly, <clears throat> certainly in a um, power plant application, um, you want to be using a full-time online condition monitoring. If it was a, uh, uh, you know, boiler feed pump, chiller water pump, maybe that's where, you know, a screening application is the right is the right uh, technology fit for that. Um, you've thought about risk, you've thought about consequence, um, and then take the technology and right size it for your your asset. Of course, in vibration, there's a lot of work uh, by Fluke and others in uh, vibration wireless sensors. These have a couple of big advantages. One, of course, is um, you know, storing data in the cloud gives you an opportunity to bring that data to the right person to make the decision that the data can be shared across the Even if your subject matter expert is in the engineering department, you can quickly review the data with, with the engineering team or with the reliability engineer, even if they're often in a different location. From a uh, Another key technology, of course, is, is thermography. I mentioned, um, you know, so many things show up as increased temperature, um, belts of alignment, uh, corrosion on electric connectors, breakdown in insulation. These all show up as a uh, increase in temperature. And, you know, it's, it's very easy when you're looking at, a say, a fuse box where you got three fuses you may not be exactly accurate on on exactly what the temperature of the different connectors are but you can see very quickly from a relative sense that you've got a, a high temperature connection you've got a, a corrosion occurring at the at one of those fuses and i don't have to you know you simply can quickly make the decision say yes that that's a problem beginning to happen, we need to get that corrected. One of the additional topics that we uh, we like to work with people on is is the uh, what we refer to as connected thermography. And this is where you're using the process capability of your CMS, your EAM system, to simplify and standardize uh, your thermography program. Use the, the route-based scheduling, to right size the program. Maybe you want different inspection intervals on different type of assets. Use it to make sure that you follow up when you identify a problem, you, you get that problem corrected. Um, and standardize the work. Use the task list procedures so that you, you know, develop a standard way of taking the images, a standard perspective. And then that allows you then from, you know, you're trying to develop this asset-centric view, uh, you can start to develop knowledge around assets it's it's you know it becomes relatively easy if you if you're you've got 10 different um, uh, you know belt driven fans in a in a dust evacuation system you check those uh those motors with thermography it'd be pretty easy to conclude that 
one unit out of 10 is running at a higher temperature. It merits an investigation because you identified that. So that's, again, another way to focus on an asset and build knowledge around uh, your asset types that are in your operation. Of course, I did mention just like with vibration, uh, storing data in the cloud. You, you know, so many programs fail because um, you develop a, a predictive maintenance team and there's either, you know, there could be an operational challenge where uh, the team needs to be put on working on a special project or um, maybe there's a, a key person leaves the team. Storing the data in the cloud allows you to um, ensure that you're, as you're building knowledge, if one person gets put on a special project, your whole program's not gonna fall apart. And in, in our process, we tag the assets with the, uh, excuse me, tag the images with an asset ID. So again, you can, over time, you can start to develop knowledge around the uh, assets and what what's normal look like, what's, uh, what's good and what's bad. Another, of course, uh, key technology is, um, and this is critically important in, in eliminating waste, um, you know, air systems, it, Department of Energy estimates that uh, you know, roughly 30% of all energy that's uh, used to produce air, compressed air, compressed gases, ends up uh, is wasted due to either misuse or due to leaks. So with uh, ultrasound, with um, acoustic imagers, we can quickly identify and uh, identify those leaks. And again, um, we want to uh, encourage, incorporate that technology into a workflow. Uh, again, you can, you can plan the the route to keep track of, you know, which rooms have you checked the leak, where have you done your your audits? Um, download those images and determine potential cost savings. Um, you know, maybe you want to, you know, you can decide: do I want to go correct all leaks, or do I want to correct all leaks that are more than X dollars per year um, energy loss? create a work order follow up to make sure that, that that work is completed and then put some uh, put a dashboard together put together a a report as to the uh, repairs that you've made and the uh, the leaks that you've corrected and uh, touched on this a couple times and we you know love to talk about connected reliability um, one of the keys of, you know, the, the first thing that teams, you know, focus on and touched on it, and that's uh, knowledge. When you build in an asset-centric maintenance plan, uh, you're focused on, you know, you're, you're not applying vibration everything. You're applying it to uh, key assets that have failure modes related to rotating equipment. So how do you build your knowledge? Do you have knowledge on your team? You, you have a lot of knowledge already, but then where can I get additional training and support in, in building my knowledge base? And of course, use the cloud um, 
look at where you did what data where how do i bring the data to the right person to make the right decision and then with software there's many cases there's there's um, software can help us drive greater insights um, bring together data from multiple technologies so that we can make the best decision around our asset and then um, you know the simple part is using your workflows to, to schedule the corrective work once you've identified a problem let's identify it prioritize it get it done and get it corrected and even um, you know create a quality record to say that I know I got it corrected this this uh, this idea of connected reliability is the, the key is you're developing an asset centric view of your maintenance plan and so you've got to keep track of what work has been done what are my critical assets because you're not using the same amount of work the same approach to every every asset and then as you understand additional failure mode maybe you want to change some of your technology plan this is a uh, needs to be a, a program that is is continually growing and and improving now so you put together this you've thought through what what are the change i want to make what's my goal um you've defined what are my critical assets you know in, in a way you're you're you're, you're making work more complex on the one hand because you're doing different amounts of work different amounts of technology and different assets um, and yet when I start thinking about the project plan how do we implement um, you know it's we need to pause and think about our implementation our project plan um, you know depending on the survey many of the surveys show that 80 percent of technology implementations fail um, and you generally can can uh, bucket into about five different reasons you know too many times I've heard stories where uh, you know we buy a um, you know a company will buy a thermography camera or a vibration tester they say oh give it to Michael he'll he'll figure out what needs to be done he's a good he's a you know he's a good tech he can get this get this done well if you don't have a good understanding of what's required um, you know does the person have adequate training in vibration maybe he's done some vibration work before but does he have the training to be successful um, do you have good support with with management um, and by good support maybe we should even make sure does manager understand how we're applying this technology we're not, you know, if, if I have another bearing failure, um, you know, we'll manage to say, why didn't, why do we have that bearing failure? I thought you did, you were doing vibration now. And so you've got to make sure that what does the technology provide, but also what does it not provide? Just because you've implemented vibration, you're not going to eliminate all failures. And, uh, you know, it's, it's easy for some of those misconceptions to get into a, uh, into a, uh, an organization with uh, and of course the other you know mentioned this early and uh, there's actually you know many seen or heard of Peter Drucker management book culture eats uh, strategy for breakfast um, and when you think of your team 
you know, you've got a, you've got a team culture. Um, you know, there's some really great teams out there that I've, I've seen and worked with, but when you go implement technology, there's, um, um, you know, if you don't have the right resources, you don't have a, a solid plan, you're going to drive um, challenges. So one of the key ways that we, uh, we like to use is a, uh, uh, refer to it as the, the 10 keys method of change. There's, and this is, you know, each step, depending on your program, has, you know, varying levels of engagement, but think through, are we ready to deploy the technology? Do we have a good understanding of the technology, how it's going to be used, what it's going to be, um, you know, what it's going to be used for, what's not going to be used for, and then implementation. Do we have a uh, good understanding of our data? Are we gonna, how do we train people? What's our go live? And then even, you know, what's our what's our KPIs? What's our audit? What's our what's our measure of success to know that we accomplish what we set out to accomplish? So we've talked about, you know. Starting with a goal, with a vision, understanding consequence of failure, failure modes, understanding asset criticality, using technology as a countermeasure, implementing change, um, but then also think through how to make sure I sustain a program. Um, again, I've seen many programs fail where they implemented technology, they uh, uh, trained the people, they had some quick wins, but then, um, you know what, um, there's a, an acquisition, there's a plant expansion, there's increased production. So some of the people on that predictive maintenance team was pulled off and uh, uh, redeployed on, on other projects. So this, uh, when, I, when I think of sustainability, I want to really go back to the very beginning. What was our vision? What did we want to accomplish? What was our goal? Um, you're going to have changes. You're going to have, you know, management directives. And so one of the keys in this is think through how do we how do we sustain our program? Uh, you may recall or may have seen the the, the Apple ad where it talks about until uh, dogs can speak, we have to speak for them. Well, in an asset-centric management plan, uh, in predictive maintenance plan. Until assets can speak, we have to we have to speak for them. Um, and I've touched on this multiple times in this webinar, but you know, asset-centric management plan. You're you're really you need to think in terms of what's my asset allocation. How do I you know what data where? You know, I like to actually whiteboard this out. What data do we need to help people make better decisions? Right data at the right place, right time, right person, make the right decision. Um, break down data silos and then leverage your process capability, leverage standard procedures so that um, if one person gets pulled off on a special project, the whole program won't fall apart. In, and of course, developing the people, 
um, you know, knowledge management, not only knowledge management of assets, but, you know, what's our knowledge management of the team? How do we, um, how do we develop our team uh, with ongoing training, both in technology, but also understanding our think through the sustainer program, what's our communication plan? Um, you know, we want to make sure that our management understands the value of this program's driving and, uh, um, you know, and, and make sure that it's it's got continued support for continuing to um, drive for incremental uh, improvement. So think through a communication plan um, of who do we need to inform, who do we need to give a report to, um, what visibility do we give the team on the work we're getting? What are the what are those what are the saves? What are the things we've uh, uh, accomplished in a, in a visual management? You know, what are those KPIs that we're monitoring? Uh, how are we drive? How are we showing improvement? And then, uh, um, are we are we getting the uh, getting the program completed? Um, you know, picking the right KPIs will help communicate. that you know when we say we're going to do predictive maintenance on this group of assets we do get that done making sure that we have the, the technology um, being used in the data collection so that we can accomplish our goals we set out and then of course um, no program can remain static um, you want to in an annual basis you know, really have a vision of improvement. Um, how do we how do we improve our program to further optimize our asset centric view? Uh, but also how do we how do we make sure that we prioritize uh, and working on our most critical assets that we're we're using our our resources in the most effective manner. Within you know takes me back to you know talking about you know talking about your adventure um, talked about a number of different topics here um, and uh, you as a maintenance reliability leader are in the best position to um, to basically tell the organization here's the uh, you know here's where we're at today here's where we need to be um, this is the way to get there. You want to, and, and there's really then comes down to five key steps in putting a program together, um, taking your program to the next level. First one is set your vision, set your goal. <clears throat> make your vision, make it, you know, make it simple. What, what does success look like? Um, you know, years ago when I was managing power plants, it was, and I had, had plants uh, running 24-7, it was, my goal was, you know, no phone call. Um, I don't want any, you know, I wanted to avoid those phone calls to say that we had a, uh, a major incident at a plant. Um, but it could be, you know, it could be something as simple as um, we want to reduce our waste, uh, wasted energy, wasted resources, wasted inventory. Um, 
prioritize your work and the way you prioritize your work is review and ask criticality. What are the failure modes I'm concerned about? What are the risk of failure? What's the consequence? What's the likelihood? Asset criticality and risk. Document it, build that, you know, have that as a as a documented that can be reviewed and improved on as you learn more. And then technology selection. Use technology as a way to mitigate risk. Um, you know, years ago I had a I had a project where um, you know we, we kind of label it as what are the things that could go wrong to create a million dollars in damage and then what are the things we can do to avoid that from happening so use technology to mitigate those risks as a countermeasure to the failure modes that you worry about you've got this now this detailed plan you've got a goal you've got a detailed plan of what assets i need to focus on how do you what technology you need to use as a countermeasure. How do I implement? Think through how to implement. Again, it's a detailed plan is what's my impact on people? Do I need to train them? What's my impact on process? How do I change my process? Schedule the work, prioritize it with the other work that has to be done. What's the impact um, on the team culture? Um, how, you know what technology we're bringing in and then you've got this program you've got this plan implement the plan and sustain and continue to improve so these five key steps really help you build a program a detailed program don't just buy a thermography camera or a vibration tester and give it to michael and say hey we need to be doing predictive maintenance. I've been told we need to do predictive maintenance. Here's a here's a camera. Go figure it out. We got to get it done. Get it done in the next. You know, get, I will give you some time. Get it next, done in the next 30 days. No, that's uh, destined to fail. Go through the steps to put a good program together. Develop, deliver an ROI, and then continue to improve. So as we, uh, so that's. To learn more about Fluke Reliability, um, the services and technology we have to help you on your program, we've got some time for questions. Um, there's also additional, there's an EMATE University that has additional webinars and topics, or you can just go to Excellus.com. Thank you so much for that, Michael. Um, as a reminder to everyone as well, today's webinar was recorded and we will be posting um, on the Fluke Reliability YouTube channel as well as sending you a link in your email so you can sort of re-watch and uh, flick back to bits that were interesting for you. We do have a couple of questions that have been submitted. Um, if you have a question that you have not yet submitted, please enter it into the Q&A chat box now. Um, we'll get through as many questions as time allows. Um, a few people asked if the deck will be available after the presentation. Yep, absolutely, we can share the deck for you, um, as well as the recording for today's sessions. Um, first question up for you, Michael, is you shared many points on putting a program together. Where do you start when you have an existing program in place? Okay. Um, so. 
I guess I could almost answer the question with a question. Um, if you have an existing program, what are the challenges or, or what are the what are the things that you worry about? Um, and I guess probably in an existing program, probably potentially the biggest challenge is um, how do I carve out time or budget or get management buy-in into needing to restructure the project because um, somewhere along the way in, in your journey, there's an investment made to implement a program and you go back and say, hey, we're, uh, we need to spend more time with training or we need to um, refresh or make an improvement. Yeah, it's it, it ultimately, in my view, it comes down to the same Things. You, you say with where we're at today and what's our goal what do we want to what do we want to do differently um, and then you know what do we understand about asset criticality and what are the problems that we need to, you know what are the problems that I worry about at night and how can we use technology as countermeasure to uh, attack those problems um, so I would I would suggest with an existing program, it, it really comes down to the same um, same logical thought process, but certainly um, your your starting points can be significantly different in some of those different areas. Awesome. We have another one uh, from one of our audience members, which says, I'm working in a manufacturing industry related to life sciences. Most of our production lines are built of electronics components totally different from facility assets as chillers or pumps. The idea is that most of the condition monitoring tools are related to either vibration, temperature, etc. As per your experience, what may be the possible or suitable condition and monitoring tools for such type of assets? So, um, yeah, that's a great question. So in in the um in the in the electronic facilities with a high degree of electronics yes one of the other um in many cases one of the key technologies there is um, uh, power quality so one again i in this webinar i use walk through the the thought process of using the three key technologies um, but then yes it's it's also then when you understand your critical assets and what are the uh, um you know what are the risks or the consequences what are, what are the failures i see and if i if i have uh um you know electronic control panels that are tripping offline it's uh you know potentially it's a it's a power quality issue and it's a power quality issue inside the four walls of your facility. Um, as you have um, VFD drives, as you have uh, LED lights, these are all, um, you know, components that, that drive uh, some amount of uh, harmonics into the power distribution within your facility. So, um, so I guess, yes, I would suggest it's the same thought process but you are correct. When you have, um, you know, some of these electronic controls, you can have 
random downtime events, which in, in life sciences, uh, you know, a control panel trips offline, even if it momentarily trips off, you may have to be, I, I worked with one client where um, a certain batch process, it was uh, roughly $300,000 of lost production when that control panel basically did a blip. And even if it blipped and restarted, they had to scrap out the entire batch. So yes, um, use the same thought process, apply technology to the, uh, uh, to the failure modes. But at times, yes, they're lubrication technology, uh, electric motor testing, any number of uh, technologies can be applied, but use, your, use the right technology for those failure modes, yes. Awesome. And then another question, there's quite a few questions coming through actually. Um, what is best practice when generating CBM PMs for assets and how detailed are they to be? Should general maintenance collect data or a specialized team? Um, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, what's the best? I, I guess I I would, I want to respond to say, um, as opposed to what's the best practice, what's the best for your team? In other words, um, you know, if you have a, um, um, you know, if you, if you have some general technicians or if you have operators, operator-driven reliability, where operators are doing some of the uh, simple lubrication tasks and some of the simple inspections, um, you know, standardize that data collection, have the operator um, take, uh, take, collect those data for you. Um, have it where, you know, the, the operator, he's taken some ownership of that asset, of that line. So, it, you know, irrespective of what best practices are across an industry um it really you know that that's becomes really important to understand the team culture um you know having having operators involved or having some of the general pm technicians involved with predicting maintenance data collection you know can build teamwork and build communication across the team um but by the same token um if your team culture isn't right, um, you know, you wanna make sure you get good quality data. So um, you wanna avoid, um, you know, somebody just checking a box and say, I collected the data and it's, it's garbage data. So that's, that's, um, um, that's truly a, a, uh, a challenge and, and you wanna pick your adventure to say, do I wanna bring in, you know, a larger team or do I have a specialized team? the risk of a specialized team is that you know one person gets pulled off you get your best text doing the predictive maintenance and they get put on a special assignment so then you know you get behind um so yes that that's a great question and i, I uh, kind of gave you two two sides of that coin it's a nuanced one um Next one is how would I categorize my contact lists, meaning by electrical, HVAC, plumbing, etc. I know I can filter, but to lump them all together instead of having mixed everywhere. 
and and so yes you want to um i don't know in 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 my background i'm you know originally trained as an engineer so um i like to organize based on a um, based on a, a system design or system hierarchy um you know you've got asset criticality you also got data structure and asset hierarchy um i i like to think i like to structure in terms of systems because you've got the the components of that system and you know whenever, whenever it's something goes down that's it's a uh, it's a system impact uh, but also in data standardization you want to make sure to have a good data nomenclature because at the end of the day a pump is a pump is a pump i want to be able to um, draw knowledge from my pumps whether it's in a uh, a boiler feed pump or a chiller water pump or it's uh, uh, a wastewater pump. I want to be able to, with the data in the cloud, be able to draw conclusions about about my pumps. I could, you know, periodically review to say, okay, why is? <clears throat> you know, actually, I worked with one client where they had um, some similar fans, and by comparing, gathering data, comparing across multiple facilities, they're able to see that well, this plant. The fans, the bearings run longer than this plant, and this one they run less. So it, it helps you, you know, appraise or prioritize your work. Awesome. And we just got a couple more questions. Um, which technology gives the best ROI? Uh, well, um, which gives the best ROI? Um, I guess the two-word answer that I heard that works for any question in maintenance reliability is um, it depends. So you're going to get the best ROI on the, um, you know, and, and I guess it, it's a good question. And as you try to build your business case, um, you know, use your asset criticality, use your your consequence of failure to understand um, what technology is going to give you the best ride. Because at times, um, you know, it may be easy to apply technology and, um, uh, you know, maybe say, well, I'm going to do data collection on all these different pumps I have and all these fans. Um, and, but yet your best ROI is going to be the technology that um, really manages or helps you mitigate failures that are of, of high consequence. So um, it, it, as you work through the asset criticality, consequence and, and risk of failure, um, you'll get the best ROI because it'll, it'll bring out what are the, uh, basically what are the high dollar failures that you really need to avoid. Um, and those, that's where you'll get the best ROI. Awesome. And then does Fluke help a person put a program together? I think of Fluke as the company that sells tools. 
and that's you know that's okay um and yes my paycheck comes from fluke corporation um i'm part of i mean so michael watts i'm part of uh a unit referred to you know or fluke reliability and while um it's great the the brand recognition with uh, the handheld fluke tools that so many people know uh in our fluke reliability team we're focused on uh, connected reliability uh, we have our products from vibration tools and sensors infrared cameras um, proof technique laser alignment vibration tools and uh, uh, our emate uh, cmms so we, we spend a lot of our time working on you know assessments uh, consulting uh, collaboration training and implementation support for for projects so Yes, you you can reach out to uh, um, you know to our chat, and uh, we can help uh, with services or or expertise to help you supplement or grow your program. Fab. And then last question: um, Which CMMS do you recommend for a small or medium water treatment facility? Well, the one that. Um, <laughs> I guess that's maybe not an entirely fair question, but uh, certainly the one within, um, um, you know, fluke reliability, we have our email CMMS. And uh, one of the things that I think that really has, you know, helped draw me to the fluke organization is um, we have, you know, work, you know, what is a CMMS? It's managing the work. It's managing the maintenance work. Um, some people refer to it as work execution management, but then it's also, it's a repository of asset information. So on our team, we've got people who work on, you know, how do we build data connectors to connect tools to the, the CMS. Your, your CMS becomes, um, and this is with, with our email we work on, it's the, you know, historian of the work that was done it's also the uh, uh you can bring together data from multiple um technologies to help bring the data to the right person at the right time to make the right decision so uh certainly feel free to reach out and and um we could talk on how we could you know configure workflows to help you manage your maintenance um, and your team in a more effective manner. Fabulous. And that sort of concludes our questions. Uh, thank you so much, Michael, for sharing your insight and expertise here today. Um, there's lots going on in, in the chat box, which we'll be able to see after. Uh, but do you have any closing comments that you'd like to make? Um, just to say thank you to everybody for taking some time um, this is um you know your challenges you know you, you, your your operations your you know for me it's it's always interesting i i get to to learn when i work with clients that uh um you know you have so many unique uh um opportunities but as a reliability leader maintenance leader you're the one in the best position to say, this is the way for us to go forward. Here's what we need to get to. 
And, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's always a pleasure to help work with people, put programs together and, uh, and see the, um, the outcomes of those. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Awesome. And um, thank you everyone for joining us today. There will be a brief survey uh, at the end. So it's just six really quick questions. Um, if you'll be so kind as to take the time to respond, it really helps us to improve these webinars. Um, and if you do have any additional questions or if you'd like to connect directly with the Fluke Reliability team, you can either reach out um, via our website or on LinkedIn. Um, or reply to, to the email which we'll send out to you after this. So thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful rest of your day um, and goodbye from us. Thank you everyone. Bye.